Well, I'm on assignment today uh, to talk about King David. And I, um, I have to talk about the part of his story that is not fun. So I'm going to try to smile as much as I can because this information is difficult. This scripture is difficult. Last week, Pastor Chris brought the, the reality that David took Bathsheba to be his wife and that he had Uriah the Hittite murdered and that he had these, this, this enormous sin he committed and these consequences. And, and in case you didn't know, the rest of David's life is tragic. Now, God is tremendously faithful to King David through all of his life and even after his sin. But we have to talk about today, my assignment is to talk about the consequences of our sin. So if you're ready for that, say amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, let's stand. Let's read the word of God together. We stand because we honor his word. We believe that his word can transform us by the renewing of our mind. Amen. If I had a title of the message, it would be called, There, Now, Therefore. Now, Therefore. The first thing I'm going to read is, comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. You can follow along in the Version Bible app. Click on Events, Hope Community Church. Follow along right there. You can use the church app to follow along, or you could follow along on the screens. I want to read a little bit out of Hebrews to set up a biblical principle that the rest of the message will tie into. Biblical principle that the rest of the message will tie into. You ready? Hebrews chapter 4, or chapter 12, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Ah, I don't know about that. And chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have an earthly father. We have earthly fathers who discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness for the moment all discipline seems painful somebody say amen rather than pleasant but later (laughs) it yields the perfect fruit of peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it a biblical principle that i want to nail down before we read david is that god disciplines those that he loves it's not fun. And we know discipline because we, some of us know our earthly fathers and we respect them. Their discipline got us to where we are today. The discipline of men in our life, women in our life, we know what discipline does for us. It's good for us. And that the, our relationship with God is no different that he, as a loving father, does what has to be done. He disciplines. Amen? Back to David. Poke your neighbor, say, back to David. 
2 Samuel 12, 9 through 14. This is the prophet Nathan coming to David after Bathsheba and Uriah. And this is what we read about last week. Pastor Chris said that Nathan confronted David. We're going to read that one more time. Verse 9. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, remember the title of the message? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun for you did it secretly, but I will do these things before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. We talked about last week, this was the glory of David. He was able to go, I did it. No excuses, no, 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 no fancy stuff. I did it. I have sinned against the Lord. This is the attitude of the man of God after his own heart. And Nathan said to David, the Lord put away your sin and you shall not die. 14, nevertheless. Because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to be to be with us today. Speak to us kindly. The Bible said it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So I pray that you're kind with us today. And that our, our lives are transformed, our minds are renewed. And God, that your word would accomplish what you've set it out to accomplish in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So setting up this human pattern that we all are subject to, you you are subject to it, I am subject to it. If you're watching online, I know you're subject, I'm just messing. Uh, There's a human pattern, and I'm going to try to explain it, that we sin. Anybody in here without sin? So we can start here, right? I sin. Hopefully, I, I'm, I have a relationship with God, and I confess my sin, and he forgives me. Amen? Amen. He forgives me when I confess, and then there's consequences. Let's try that again. We sin, we confess, he forgives, and there's consequences. I don't like that last part. But uh, a heavenly father... Uh, who loves us, has worked it into the human experience. That all the way back in the beginning when Adam and Eve would be sent out of the garden in this now, therefore scenario. Remember we read Eve eats of the apple, the serpent deceives her, she eats. Adam is (laughs) silent, passive. He lets her eat and he doesn't lead and they... God comes up to them and he says in his, the way only a loving father can say to them and to the serpent, he says, now, therefore, 
Since you have deceived the woman, not cursed the serpent, you will crawl on the, your belly for the rest of the days of your life. Eve, you will experience much, much pain and childbearing. And Adam, you will toil with your hands in painful labor the rest of the days of your life. And you both shall die. Now, therefore. I, I read the Bible and I think of, I think of things in terms of... Um, like equations, and I think about this A-B equation that's happening. A, you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and B, this is what's going to happen. Uh, you convince the woman to eat of the fruit. Curse, cursed be to you, you will crawl on your belly. A, B. Everybody got it? I feel, I, now, therefore. We don't really like now and therefore. We don't, want, we don't want to ever hear from God. Now, therefore. None of us like that. Actually, the, the author of Hebrews says that no discipline is pleasant at the time. But we do have this human pattern of sin, confession, forgiveness, consequences. And there are, there are, there are these A, B statements. There was Nathan said, you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And now he kind of lays out this threefold plan that there will be calamity in your house, that the sword will never depart from you, and that the child born unto you shall die. A, B. I was trying to teach my son A, B statements this week. He's six. And, um, you know, the Bible talked about earthly fathers, and we try to do our best with discipline, right? Heck, when I was a kid, it was the belt. Can I get an Amen. My dad would talk about the belt on the way home from church. <laughs> Me and my brother do. So uh, we have a morning routine, and um, I wake my kids up. I give them a gentle shake, you know, at 7 o'clock a.m. They know from that time they have about 25 minutes to get ready. Daddy's going to go get ready and do his thing. And most of the time they're pretty responsible, and they get ready, and then we're in the truck, and we're to the bus stop. Anybody else? Yeah, sounds like a normal day. Well, I had a thing this week where my son decided, instead of getting ready um, in the morning, he was going to lay around in his underwear. And um, because of that, I yelled, get in the truck, get in the truck. And he's crying, I don't have my iPad. <laughs> if I miss my iPad, I have to stand on the fence. Recess. Get in the truck. I don't have my library book. I get in trouble for... Okay. A, B. I'm not the best dad. I'm not even close. I'm not going to win Father of the Year anytime soon. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to communicate to my kids on the way to the bus stop. Listen. If you lay around in your underwear, you're going to forget all of your stuff. Right? Is it, is it that easy? I'm the father. You laid around. I made him say it 15 times. You're gonna, you think I'm crazy, right? I said, repeat after me. I laid around in my underwear. <laughs> I laid around in my underwear. And I forgot all of my stuff. I said, if they ask you, I said, I, seriously, we did it like 15 times. I'm evil, man. And I said, if your teachers ask you why you're crying, what are you going to tell them? I laid around in my underwear. <laughs> Forgot all my stuff. A, B. We don't like it, but it's necessary. You know, when I was in high school, um, 
This is a more embarrassing fact about my life. I don't like to admit, but I, I feel like it's part of my story. And between the ages of about 13 and 16, I uh, was off the rails, disrespectful, disobedient, just a wild child. My parents were probably on the verge of ending my life. I, I, was, I was into drugs. I was into alcohol. I was into partying. I was into skipping school. I had so many unexcused absences and failing grades that uh, I had a guidance counselor tell me. Actually, I showed up to, a, um, to an 11th grade homeroom, and I had a teacher look at me with squinty eyes and said, I don't see your name on the list. And I you know, took that information to the guidance counselor and... She was like Nathan the prophet to David after killing the Hittite. She said, you have missed so much school and have failed so many classes that there's absolutely not enough night school, summer school, extra school. You can't do anything. You're going to have to stay in high school for another year. So I did. I was confronted with a decision, drop out and get my GED or go to school for an extra year and finish what I started. So I say that to to say A and B, because I wanted to make a point that I was saved in high school. Yeah. I met Jesus Christ. I came to this church and this youth ministry. Pastor Chris was preaching the word, and the youth team was getting it. And I had never seen anything like that before in church. I was raised in what you would call boring church. Anybody else? Yeah. Six, seven, eight-year-old, you sit there for an hour and you listen to the most boring. No, I'm just if you go to that church, it's fine. I've never seen anything like this in church. Dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ. He transformed me. He forgave me. I confessed. He forgave. But there was still consequences. Sorry, don't fix everything. Confession and forgiveness can be a beautiful thing between two people or two groups of people or, or just between you and God. It can be a beautiful thing, but it doesn't fix. It doesn't have the power to fix everything. I still had to um, endure the consequences. Amen? Sin always has consequences. Verse 10. You guys put it up. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. How? Hey, David was a king. If anybody else had, had committed adultery with another man's wife and then called the husband over and deviously conspired to end his life and then murdered, had him murdered, any other person in the entire kingdom of Israel would have been put to death. That would have been a life sentence these days. Adultery and murder, life sentence. David was in a unique position where he was king, and his consequences had to be custom. (laughs) Oh, man. Custom consequences. God said, the sword will never depart from your house. Now, therefore, the A-B statements. I want to communicate. David had this unique, called a skill. It's called a skill. You remember, we're in week eight now of David. We've, we've, we've seen him from the ruddy shepherd boy, anointed as king, chased down by King Saul for the fear of his own life. We've seen him come through 
amazing victories at war. And now, you know, David, Bathsheba, and here we are. We have seen it. David have a skill set. You guys remember what that is? He can take his heart and turn it towards the Lord. He was pursued by King Saul, and he's calling out, and that's where we get Psalm, is it chapter 23? Or Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. In, in, in fear and pursuit of losing my, in, in fear of losing my life, I turn my heart towards him. And now, as an older guy who has sinned and fallen short and has been forgiven but is now suffering consequences, you know, the sword never departing from his house, his calamity in his own house, his child dying, he is, he is still able to turn his heart. Watch this. Watch this. Nathan the prophet said, the child born unto you shall die. This is the very first thing that David experienced after his blunder. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, his son dies. He says, but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, what's that next part? David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. What? He went to his own house, and when he was asked, they set food before him, and he ate. The glory of David was that he could turn his heart towards God in any moment. In the most difficult of times, in the best of times, in the, most, in, in the season of life where he's experiencing the correction and discipline and consequences of the hand of God, he still has the skill set that he learned in his youth to turn his heart towards God. God. It says he found out his son passed away, and it said he understood. Oh. Nathan said this was going to happen, and it happened. I wonder if everything else he said. And it says that he got up, he anointed himself, he dusted the dirt. He got, the Bible, if you keep reading that story, he can utterly confuses his men because they're like, when the child was sick, you were fasting and you wouldn't get up off the ground. You were laying around in the dirt. You were not able to say intelligible words. You were, you were outside of your mind. And, and, and now that the child is dead, you're worshiping and eating. And he makes this statement, I understand. I understand. I see what this is. Nathan said this was going to happen. And it's happened. And he, and he makes a comment about his dead son. He said, I will go to him. He will not come back to me. And it's like he just, he just understood. And then he goes into the temple of the Lord and he worships and he does what Pastor Chris beautifully painted for us last week. And he just raises his hands. Cast me not away. Right? Cast me not away. And he turns us, and, he, and this was the glory of David to do this. Man, the ability in your sin and the consequences of your sin, of my sin, to just turn our hearts toward God and just declare, I know I messed this up. I know that this is impossible to come back from, but yet I worship you. We read through the. We will read through the rest of the story of David. Actually, that's my assignment today. 
The rest of his life is absolute chaos. David's story next week, Pastor Chris will wrap up, has a, has a little bit of a happy ending, but, it, but the rest of his life is more of a tragedy than anything. Because everything Nathan the prophet said to him came true. Because of this, and I'm going to set up my second point. David had the skill set to turn his heart towards God. That's good. We're all clapping. He's awesome. But sorry doesn't fix everything. Sorry doesn't change what you did. Sorry doesn't change what I did. (laughs) As a matter of fact, sorry didn't matter to the guidance counselor. I still had to be an 18-year-old man in the class with freshmen. That's embarrassing. Kids coming in talking about, what is he doing in here? Teachers asking me, what are you doing in here? I messed up. Sorry doesn't change the fact there wasn't enough repentance and sorry and please and thank you. And there's not enough. And the sorry is not powerful enough on its own to change anything. Sorry doesn't cut it. And here's why. Because our sin creates culture. Every sin has consequences, and our sin creates culture. David was suffering with something called the culture of his own sin. Think about this. I'm about to read a a little bit of a timeline of what happens in David's life when when the prophet Nathan said, calamity will come on your house. I'm going to read down through what that looks like here in a second. Uh, Actually, I'm going to do that right now. Calamity will come on your house. Verse 11, it says, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. Trouble with the firstborn. Oh, that's what I was going to say. The firstborn. Sin creates culture. His firstborn son, Amnon. Anybody familiar with the story of David? What happens after Bathsheba and Uriah? His firstborn son, Amnon, The Bible says the parallelism here is absolutely remarkable between uh, Amnon and David. It says that Amnon saw his half-sister Tamar and desired her. Remember? David saw Bathsheba, desired her. The, The parallelism between the father and the firstborn son is absolutely remarkable. I'm trying to communicate that our sin creates a culture and our kids are watching. Should I say that again? Our sin creates culture and our kids are watching. And the Bible says that Amnon couldn't figure out how to get Tamar alone with him so that his, so his cousin helped him conspire away. Those cousins. <laughs> wow. The, his cousin helped him conspire a plan that the, for Amnon to pretend like he is sick and to ask the king to send Tamar and feed him and bake, bake him a cake and feed him and take care of him. And so he's devising a plan to get Tamar in his presence as his father devised a plan to get Bathsheba in his presence. And we see the sins of the father handed down to the son. The Bible says that that happens, and it happens up into the third and fourth generation. And so trouble with the firstborn. Amnon takes advantage of his half-sister and sends her away, just like 
his dad. Then David's third son, I don't know what happened to his second son. I looked everywhere this week. I can't find it. If y'all can find that, you come tell me afterwards. David's third son, who is Tamar's full brother, is furious. And he says that he, he committed and made a decision, I'm going to kill him. The Bible says two years later, Absalom kills Amnon for the rape of Tamar. Someone said consequences. This is everything that the, that the prophet Nathan said would come to pass. Trouble in your own house. Calamity in your own house. I'm not going to stay on this long because this is painful. But somebody in here in a church this size with three services knows what it's like. You're suffering right now because of the calamity you've brought on your own house. Or you're suffering right now because of the calamity somebody else has brought into your house. In a church this size, somebody is either suffering from the calamity that you brought on yourself or from the calamity that somebody else has brought on you. And what I want to say is sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes in Hebrews, it's the loving hand of God making David endure the consequences of his sin. I'll talk about why for a second. In a second, you're thinking, why? Why does God do that? It's important. This was the culture of the king's house. Trouble with his firstborn. Trouble with his thirdborn. Trouble with his fourthborn. We actually have Absalom kills Amnon, and then Absalom is, is uh, juxting for position for the crown. And, and we see David's men defending him, and they actually kill his thirdborn son, defending the king. David is actually, before that happens, David is actually on the run for fear of his own life. Because... It's just sin takes us to a place that we thought we had graduated from earlier. David, David, David was a young shepherd boy, anointed as king, fleeing for his life from King Saul. He had been positioned as king of Israel. It didn't have any, anybody who could possibly chase him down. And his sin and his consequences got him into a place where now he is on the, on the run. Fear from his own son, he is on the run again. Because sin always takes us to where we thought we had graduated from. Consequences. A, B. Right? He's once, on the, once again on the run for his life. His men kill his third son. David mourns. You can read in this beautiful mourning prayer that David offers up to the Lord. Again, emphasis here on his heart is still going to God, even in all this chaos. Solomon is born. Pastor Chris will talk about that next week, the faithfulness of God. And his fourth-born son, Adonijah, set himself up. So he's trying to beat Solomon to the throne. He's trying to move his way and, and get to the crown before Solomon, and Solomon kills him. So you have this mess. Someone say mess. Sin creates mess, and sorry doesn't clean it up. That's tough, isn't it? This isn't the sermon that you're going to share with all your friends. This is, um, this is difficult. This is not fun. But the dots that I'm getting, trying to get us to connect this morning is, is that it is all the loving hands of God. And that you might be, like David said, I did it. 
I'm guilty. You might be guilty. You might be in a mess that you created. You might be in a, David is in a, in a mess that will last the rest of his life. Some messes, some sins, you don't come back from. The consequences of some sins are the rest of your life. The challenge now for you becomes, can you respond to God as your loving father in the midst of them? Some things, some things that we do take years to, to reconcile, to work themselves out. Amen? So even in chaos, I want to read you something. Psalm 3, 1 through 4, goes like this. Lord, how many are my foes? And I want you to see when he fled from Absalom. That's Psalm 3. You know the Psalms weren't written in chronological order? I found that out this week. Hmm. Interesting. Psalm 3 was what David cried out to God as he was running for his life from his own son. And it says this, Lord, how many are my foes? Again, you see the glory of David turning his heart and his hands to God. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you, Lord. He's saying, ain't nobody around this whole entire kingdom think that this, any of this is going to work out. But you, O oh God, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. David was confident in the love of God. Amen? David was undergoing consequences from God, and he knew that consequences equaled God's love. He could contextualize his consequences and say, this is the loving hand of God. I call out to him, and he answers me from his holy mountain. So I'm going to invite the band back up. My last point is this. If all sin has consequences sin, because sin creates culture, but here's what I want to leave you with. God is faithful in the cultures that we create. It's like that song they sang earlier. You can have it all. There's something that God can do with your sin that nobody else can do. There's something that God can do even with the consequences of your sin that nobody else can do. The Bible says that he can work all things together for those who love him according to his purpose, who are called according to his purpose. And God can take a mess and he can really clean it up in ways that we can't. We, don't, we know not, not how to do that ourselves. And this is where it takes the loving hand of our Heavenly Father to come in. And not, not just clean up our mess so that it goes away, but, but renew in us a new heart, a clean spirit. And David, David had this going for him. In the midst of everything, he's able to turn his heart to God. And he's able to say, you know what, even in all this, you're faithful. Everything Nathan said is coming true. My son died. Um, I have calamity in my house, oh God. And, and, and I'm at constant war. The sword has not left my house. If you read through the Bible, it says that he is at constant war with the Philistines until the day that he dies. And he's saying, even in it all, God, you can have it all, God. You can have it. He's saying, even in this, I, I perceive this as your unfailing love to me. Even in this. 
Some of you need the encouragement today that even in the consequences of your sin is his unfailing love to you. And that we can't get consequences confused with condemnation. And so many of us, including including myself, struggle with the consequences of God because we perceive it first as condemnation. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean I have to take another year of high school? What do you, like, like, this feels like condemnation. And what, what often consequences feel like is condemnation. But um, what I want to, how I want to close this is that uh, something David was able to do was turn his heart towards God. You could put up Psalm 23.6. How would you like to be the guy who wrote this verse? In your, in your youth as a young man and then be reminded of it in the consequences of your own sin as an old man. man David was the guy who, who had this verse in his back pocket that surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the... How do you write that as a 20-something and then as a 50-something... Like, how does that work? But David could do it. David could say, oh, even in these consequences, surely the goodness of mercy uh, shall follow me. I cannot get away from it. No matter what I do, he's, he's there. He's blessing me. He's the Lord forever. He's faithful to me. He's, he's still working things out for my good. Even in this mess, I can't deny that God is good to me. And then we read in Matthew 1.1. Let's put that verse up. That This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Son of of who? David. We see that God is faithful to David, that the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. God did not, God did not uh, edit out David's name from the book of life, from the story of redemption that God was telling all throughout humanity that, that God, even in your consequences, I can do what I was going to do. Even, even after you messed up and there's this mess, I can still accomplish what I was going to do and that, that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. There is nothing that you could do to rid, rid yourself of the faithfulness and the love of God. Amen? There's nothing that you could do that, that separates you from the love of God. So you have these statements in life. A and B. Now, therefore, I told you at the beginning that now, therefore, is something that you never want to hear from God, but I lied to you. Now, therefore, the consequences and punishment of your sin is actually a statement that should cause you to go, I worship you, God. Thank you for the now, therefores in my life that I did this and you had to bring me through this to teach me a lesson. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, therefore, is his loving hands on your life. The Bible says that no matter what you do, nothing can separate you from the love of God today. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Worship is the response to him today. Be like King David. You can have it all, God. You can have it all. Come on, sing it out. You can have it all.